episode six. What? Yeah, we're on a roll. We're really we're on, on number six already? We're wow. on a roll. Um, this is all about the great pivots, all the pivots, the pivot party, the, 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 <laughs> the time in our lives where we thought we had finally figured everything out. We had all this stress of opening up the cafe. We open up the cafe. And we're, then? Wait. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Okay. We, we open up the cafe and it's all of our wildest dreams. I mean, the, the thought that we had that we weren't going to have to work full time was ridiculous, right. which now, <laughs> now we know makes no sense. But so you and I are behind the bar behind the, you know, you're, you're cashier. I'm barista. We're working. We have a small, but mighty team. You know, we're just one shop, mom and pop shop. We're greeting every single customer. We're right. hi- high-fiving, hugging. We had two registers, remember? At first, so yes. Busy. But we're, you know, we're making all those early day connections. You know, we have, you know, 17 events, you know, in four months. The place is bursting at the seams. We're just still trying to figure out our business model. Like the cafe is doing really great. The market, as well as intended as it was, as important it was to our ultimate mission, was not doing very well financially. And we were having to like have these tough conversations so early about were we going to be able to keep the market open because the cafe was doing well, but not like people don't understand what well is people. (laughs) Yeah. People don't understand. You know, if you take just hypothetically, you have a a cafe that's making $300,000 a year. That sounds like, Oh, they must be making so much money. It's $300,000 a year. But most people don't realize that most food service businesses are are netting a profit of somewhere between five and 10% max, right? right. So on that $300,000 a year, 10% profit is $30,000 a year. That's not enough to pay yourself as an owner, a, you know, yeah. a, a salary. Yeah, we, weren't, we weren't paying a salary. We either. weren't paying ourselves a salary, but people don't understand that often you work for your business and you make less money than, than you some would. some of your employees. If, <laughs> but well, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, your employees and then you would at the job that you came from when you're right. working for somebody else. So you have to really be doing a business because you love it. And that's why I'm saying it. I am encouraging people to do mis- mission-driven businesses. You know, I'm always being aligned to their why and what they're doing because you won't wake up each day and do this really hard thing every single day when you're not getting paid a lot if you don't believe in what you're doing and feel like there's nothing else you could be doing because you feel so compelled to do this thing. And so that's where we were. We had this coffee shop where we're making all these connections every minute. Everything's feeling so special. It was so fun. fun, But I'm just saying it was so fun. And then we have this market where we're like, we want it to work. We love it so much. We want to feed people, you know, but in the meantime, we're losing money every day. And so you and I were, debating what are we going to do, you know, and even having some tension and some arguments over, you know, what was the right strategy of how we were going to move forward with the market. We were at least thinking of some modification of closing from uh, closing it as a retail market and figuring out what, what were we going to do about it after that? And in the meantime, the cafe, you know, is fully open, you know, at any given time, we have 20 to 30 people sitting inside the cafe doing their work, having meetings, using the conference rooms, and then renting all, it out, renting the conference, renting the hustle studio. And then all of a sudden I see on the news about uh, COVID-19 happening in China. 
And, you know, I tend, I, in, on the spectrum, I'm, <laughs> I'm somebody who tends towards anxiety. If there is a, something that comes up for me, I can get anxious and I can get anxious in particular about natural disasters, you know, worst case scenarios, what's going to happen if this happens. So my mom, you know, sort of raised me up as putting a nice spin on it, being like, you're a survivalist, you know, you're somebody who wants to have a plan in place. If something happens, you're going to make it because you're the one that has the pantry stocked and, you know, the toilet paper and the whatever. So (laughs) as soon as I was seeing what was happening in China, I was like, oh my gosh, um, I think it was also like one case had started in the U S and I was like, Oh my gosh, if we're anything like what's happening in China, this is going to become a really big deal. And how are we going to be able to stay open? Like immediately I was like, how are we going to be stay open as a restaurant? Right. And here I am probably a month at least ahead of everybody else that ever was thinking ordering all this stuff. Yeah. Well, and I came to you, I did start ordering stuff. I ordered the masks and I ordered the like hand sanitizer. Mask, it was like this, 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 uh, uh, hazard suits. Hazmat. <laughs> that too, that also, but in general, I had the mask, I had the hand sanitizer. And at that time they were talking about social distancing. That was like the light version when it yeah, first yeah. started, they were like, okay, we don't uh, know what it's going to be six feet away. But in the meantime, do six feet away. And I just remember trying to have this conversation with you that, you know, that for my own anxiety, I needed to try to like start doing the six feet apart thing, getting the mask, getting the things and getting prepared. And you initially were so resistant. It was my excuse. I just thought it was early. It wasn't It wasn't enough information in America yet. Or it hadn't come out. So well, and I, I don't even think, and that was true, but I don't even think you were coming from necessarily a rational place. I think it was more of an emotional place of like, we just opened this cafe four months ago. Now you're telling me to move, I just move got, some tables out, make less money. That's what you're, that's what I was hearing. I'm trying to say, you're talking about your rational brain. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk about your emotional response, which is not a conscious thing, which is, I think what you were feeling was, I just went from being tolerated to celebrated. I just started having a successful business. I, my dreams are finally coming true. And, and here now, you are trying to sweep that out from under me and be like, uh, we need to close down. Like, or, you know, what's worst case scenario? Like, I'm gonna I was have. just like, wait, let's be a little more. Let's wait a little bit. But and you were ready to shut that puppy down. Boy, you ready, I wasn't ready to you close. Ready to spray the, we got the sprayers. Remember? Yeah. I mean, early days of COVID, we all did all kinds of things, you know, that we were scared. People were scared. I was having this conversation the other day um, with my sister about- Let me just say that because I will forget this. We, after every day in those first parts, before they even told us we, you know, we were closed inside or whatever, we were sanitizing the entire building. We had this fogger- it was like, you know, I was crazy. I used to put this mask on and go through it and have my hazmat suit. And I'm just spraying. Oh, my God. I was spraying uh, pure alcohol in the air. <laughs> it was crazy, man. 
But anyway. Well, I think that it foreshadowed, that foreshadowed what we ultimately, I think, became known for of being one of the most hypervigilant um, businesses ever around safety for our community, right. cleanliness, right. The, all of those things. But so just to flash forward a little bit, that was the early days where it was like, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? But overnight, it was, it was Gavin Newsom, right? That made the announcement so. o- overnight yeah. that, you know, we were shutting down. This was at that point where it was like everybody was taking the two week break or whatever. Like, okay, just go home for two weeks, everybody, yeah, and be you, you'll be fine. And it was like, and businesses closed for two weeks, like you March twenty eighth or something. Yeah, and we'll do it for you know when they were talking about a month or whatever, and then we'll see. Yeah. So the inevitable did come to pass, which was we had to close, and we knew it was literally like we found out today. And tomorrow we're supposed to close, right? We found out on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, we had to, we had, we, they were still debating on whether or not it was going to, they were going to close the stores all that week. So it had to be a Tuesday all that week. And then Friday we found out, yes, completely shutting down. No one's coming inside your stores. And we were just like, what? Right. And then you and I, I can't <laughs> even remember. It's so weird. I, I mean, it's not weird, but I can't even remember the conversation or whatever. Cause I yeah. think we just went into such like rapid action mode. Um, but what we, can we do? What can we do right. to not lose the momentum that we had gained and not completely close, you know, like if we had completely closed our doors and we hadn't, we weren't selling anything and we weren't available to the community at all. Like that would have been crazy for us. Like we had our whole life savings. We were leveraged. We were in debt. You know, we had all these things that we had done to get to that point. So we basically had to pivot immediately. And I think because we had the experience of already losing it all in a business venture and then building ourselves back from nothing and learning all the lessons along the way that when this happened, there was some weird, like no pa- calm, panic, but no in, panic. calm in the storm. Yeah. A little we were bit. Just like all this shit's going on around us, but we're going to figure it we out. We got to do something. We have some, we have to do something. We have to come up with some solutions. We have to, work together, mm-hmm. which I'm saying is pretty much a miracle because you and I work really well together, but it's usually through some level of debate, discussion, struggle that take, could take a few days, could take a week for us that to get was, on the same page. No time for that. In this moment, we were like, okay, what are we doing? So we did a combination of two things immediately. App. One Number one is we launched a mobile ordering app. So right. within that day we closed the next day you could still pick up, but you couldn't come in the store, but you could order in advance on our Joe app. And then you could, um, we felt good about that part. That we had to get it out. We had to announce it to everybody. We had to put it everywhere, but that we felt good about. Well, that our website, what were you going to say? We had to make sure our website was up. Remember I was, there was one of our arguments. There you go. I was fussing about get that thing going, make sure we're, da, da, da. I was panicking a little bit about that. But let me explain what you're talking about. Cause you're that I had a one, two punch here. So number okay. one is we set up our mobile ordering app. So 
we were able to within one day have people start ordering on their phones. People were like still trying to figure out whether they were going to come out the house, but people were like in their pajamas, in their car, driving, driving picking up, up, picking the up with, their ma- <laughs> with their mask on. We're with our mask and our gloves, gloves and all that kind of stuff. We had shields too. And shields. But then, um, and I don't know for those of you guys listening, I know it's so weird that like we, we sort of just got, we're, I mean, people we know are still getting COVID right now, but we sort of just got out of COVID or like COVID sort of just ended, but there's some weird amnesia that's going on where we've forgotten the trauma of what we went through and how, how hard it was. But for those who are listening and were with us during this time, I know you remember they, you know, we, we were the ones that were so strict about everything. Like I know people loved coming to us because they knew that they were not going to get COVID, COVID <laughs> you know? I mean, it's as simple as it sounds. It, I didn't know if I went to the grocery store, if I would get COVID, but I knew if I went to South Lake Cafe, I wasn't going to get COVID because they had masks we, we had masks, they had gloves, they we were had you in. we're spraying everything. <laughs> um, but the second thing that we did was we knew that we needed the community's help financially. And so we did, this is the second time that we did a crowdfunding strategy and we launched at that time, it was a call to action for three months that we put on social media where we said, help South LA Cafe stay open, contribute $10 a month um, and text uh, help Slack to, I don't remember the number, the phone number. It was like, it was like three, nine, eight, seven, two, but it was super easy and it was so effective. Now we still have some people that from day one, no, we still have helping support. It's amazing. Yeah. And so immediately we got hundreds of people doing that. And like you said, to this day, years later, we still have our Slack um, members uh, that are our baseline supporters because that $10 or more a month, it adds up and it creates sustainability for our overall business model where there's a baseline of at least, you know, a handful of, you know, a few thousand dollars where all these people together contributing this money at that time, that was like make or break for us. I mean, was it was, a a, it was a game changer, but also it was another thing of this, um, like reciprocal song and dance relationship that we were doing with the cafe where we didn't know at the time that we were laying the foundation of our future community centered business model at the time. But that's what we were doing is we were saying, um, we know that you value us and you, we know that you, we've built that trust with you, that you, you know who we are and you like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we want to very quickly too. Remember, and we want to open four months. Yeah. But it was the oh. whole year before that is what yeah. I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's about consistency of connection with people and being authentic and aligned because we day in and day out, would post on Instagram. We talked to them. Once, we had a relationship. Once a week, we would send our, our newsletter, an email, let them know what we were doing. We had a relationship. When we closed, we communicated exactly what was happening, how they could order. Right. And then we went to social and on, on those emails also and said, we need your help. And people responded. Right. But it was because we had already given a lot. We had already built that relationship. So it was like, of course, they wanted us to stay open. They didn't even know at that time what we were going to end up doing right. and how instrumental we were going to become as a, as a what do they call it? A pillar in, in the, the community. community. I bet you a lot of people thought we were going to, just going to close up. I, I bet you that. Like, as much as they wanted it to succeed, 
I mean, that's that's tough for a business to just open four months ago. But well, yeah, yeah. and we saw people were closing their doors left and right. right. I mean, some people that that notice of um, you have to close tomorrow that put people out of business forever. Like people never opened up again, especially the older mom and pop businesses because they had no way to communicate with their customer base because they didn't have a website. They didn't have social media. They didn't collect data. So when everything crashed, they couldn't tell people we're open on Thursdays now, or we, we moved to the church down the block, come find us over there. You know, people would just come to their favorite spot, see the sign, their clothes, and be like, Never oh, that's sad, you right. know, and then now they're moving on and they're finding somewhere else. So this was our second um, crowdfunding initiative that we took to the community where the community really rallied behind us and supported us. I remember the first night watching people sign up. It was fun. It was the first fun. We launched it. It was fun. And then it we was... put out we put out a um, graphic on social media also where we were able to list every single Everybody's person's person. name. Yeah, yeah, it was that cool. Why don't we do that? We should... We should do a thank you month like that in, in, in Thanksgiving. Thank you. Wow. Let's do that next week. Are you going to do that? Hey, when I say let's <laughs> you, do it Let's next do week, that next week means, you know Celia, I mean, tonight, Celia, when you the, finish recording oh, the podcast, te- please go find all the names of all the people. Please create a graphic. Please put it on. We have a team on. that can help you with that. So don't. Celia, don't. please get the team on that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Exactly. I just here to come up with the ideas. You guys go over there and make them happen. Brilliant ideas. You do have brilliant ideas. Let's go. But they can't all happen right now. Okay. Anyhow. So yes, they can. Just again. Okay. All right. I lost my. But. Get back so, on your agenda. So we were raising the money from the community. And then it was these early, early days like, can you even remember when we were scared? People were scared to go to the grocery store, right? Yeah. Like, even Trader Joe's. I was scared for them. Trader I was scared for my neighbors. Because what was happening is this is before vaccines, this is before education. A lot of people were dying, right? And, and we had a lot of elderly people on our, like, our immediate, our immediate block, you know, like, which is right here in near, near the cafe. So I was really concerned. Like, yeah. And they were, you know, they were starting to do all the demographics and the studies and start give data and they would show communities of color, you know, elders, you know, would, people with higher risk, people with diabetes or, you right. know, it was a pre-existing conditions are at higher risk for having negative outcomes. But it was starting to become linked to, you know, uh, socioeconomic factors like your right, income right, and right, your right. race. So we knew that our community that was predominantly black and brown, lower income folks were at a much higher risk of, um, you know, a negative outcome. And so do you remember when you had a dream about the, Oh my God. Yes. We, um, we were, we were about to like, again, we were about to, we were about to close the market, the market. This is also happening. This is like the writing's on the wall with the market at this point, because now we're closed. Because right prior to that, I was trying to put together all kinds of stuff. I was like, the the vegetables are going bad. So I was trying to put together these little packages that people could buy. And, you know, it was at a discounted rate just so that it wouldn't spoil. So I had this idea of like just 
uh, yeah. putting a couple of vegetables but in But that was before COVID. Before that COVID. was Those were some cool ideas. We were coming out, little $10 bags, little $20 bags. But then when COVID hit, we were like, oh, we can't even keep the market open for anything Dang. because it's too tiny, tiny to have people, people, can't, go in people there. can't come in at all. And so, so went we're home that night and or one of the during that week and came back with because uh, remember, we were still building the website and getting all that stuff done, came back with, you know, I had a dream or Luther King came up with and people were probably doing it. Already, but I came up with a box of our bag of groceries, the essentials. You know, we're not talking about adding meat and all that, but the essentials that could just a family of, of four could survive for, you know, four or five days. And I know what it was because it was my thinking of my block and my neighbors, you know, because we're pretty privileged, you know, in the, 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 larger scheme of things, we're, we're pretty pri- privileged. So I just was thinking, how are they going to get out? I know I'm going to make it. How are they going to do it? So I think with all that thinking, it came up. That's why that dream manifests the way it did. And then I handed it to you, and you came up with the beautiful packaging and how to do it and how to market it. This is another business tip that I want to share to people. This is... It's very hard to have a partner in life or in business. So you and I don't generally tell people run and go partner up. However, having a partner can be helpful, especially if you are different in your skills, because sometimes there's a partner that maybe is like the, a little bit more of a lead in like the creative and the vision and the like inspirational kind of ideas. Right. And then you might have one of the partners that's stronger in the skill set. That's like, okay, let's make that idea even maybe better. And then like, let's ground it into actually putting it into form. So, so you and I often function in that capacity where, and as people are already hearing in this podcast, we were like, let's do this, but you, you do it, you know? Um, and so it was a little, I don't want to know how you do it. Yeah. So it was a little bit Just of that where you were like, silly. I had this vision of let's, let's put dream, but go ahead. The vision dream. Yes. They, they heard it the first time yes. or the second time and the third time, but I yes. was just putting it in a different capacity. You had the download of the dream, but then the vision was let's put this bag of groceries together so that um, our community didn't have to go far away. They could get it from us and they could just literally get it and we'll have it already ready. And yeah. it's not like shopping. It's not like, Oh, get this, get that. It's like, no, these are the 18 things that come into this bag and you can just come. But what I realized is you told me the idea. I was like, that's great. I'm seeing other people do this. That doesn't mean we can't do it also, but I'm seeing right. that this is a thing. Right. It doesn't really exist in our community, but it does on the West side, right? Right, right, right? A lot of people were shifting into commissaries and prep kitchens and making people's meals and all that kind of stuff. So doing grocery bags was one thing, but what they didn't have was a hook that made people want to, Give, right. And so we came up with the, you can buy a bag or you can sponsor a bag. And then it was, you know, now it's $50 bag because of inflation and food costs, but it was 35. 35. 
And so, it was, we weren't even, re, we didn't really plan out the whole business side of it. No, and how, no, no, yeah. It we was were just, just whatever trying to we, get people fed. And we just wanted it to be at a price money. point that made it accessible. So it'd yeah. be $35, buy a bag or sponsor a bag for a neighbor in need. And what happened though was it was at a time in history that that's what I'm saying. It's like we couldn't even have imagined that COVID would actually make us, right? Like, cement us as this fabric of the society of this like iconic organization in the community because of the fact that we decided this exact idea that you had this dream and then I came up with the buy a bag or sponsor a bag and then there was a worldwide racial reckoning and awakening because of George Floyd's murder uh, that obviously shaped the whole world at that time mm-hmm. where we had had we had struck this chord where we had this idea of doing grocery bags we wanted it to be something people could access we wanted it to be something that people could could give money to right that's when you came with the with the whole fancy idea of sponsor or buy a bag or sponsor a bag you know for your neighbor um, all that stuff was on our website. It was all set up. We were we were ready to open up on Monday. So Saturday we came in and tried everything, like tried the app, and it was working okay. And then so we said, okay, Sunday we're going to take off and get ready for Monday. It all geared up for Monday. So we were la- relaxing. I'm in bed. And it's about 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday. They, they were taking off. And my phone is going nuts. Remember? It was going crazy. And I said, oh, Sprint. You know, Sprint's no longer what's with us, so I can say that. Sprint. It's just, it must be they're, they're tripping again. So I took the phone and I turned it off. The next time I woke up was about 6.15, 6.30 a.m. And it was going, I heard this dink, 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 dink on the Apple you know, the, the thing that, uh, the sound that you hear when you hear email on the Apple computer, whatever that is, okay? Little plug for Apple. Um, and I looked over, and there you were sitting up in bed with your with your hoodie on. You had your South LA hoodie on, ready to roll. And I said, babe, this is our day off. You know, turn your computer off. What are, what are you doing? Let's go to bed. And you flipped around and showed me what was on your screen and what you were looking at. And we were on the cover of the LA times. I'm not talking about the food section, restaurant, back in the page, whatever I'm talking about, you know, Obama won the presidency Lakers won their 16th championship or 17. And we were on the, and we were on the front fold, our cafe of the LA times. You know, that's world uh, 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 what is subscription uh, distribution is around the world? Did you know that? And so those beep 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 beeps were people actually doing what you had just come up with, ordering groceries for their neighbors, sponsoring. There was a few that were buying it for themselves, but that was small in in, in between. But the majority of them ended up being people sponsoring, and there was. 50, 60, 70 orders. It was insane. And now we had to get back 
And I'm thinking, oh my God, we got to make those groceries. So, And at the same time, it was also right around the time of George Floyd's murder, where people all around the world were waking up to their own racial reckoning and feeling like, like, how could they give back? How could they make, be a part of the change? You know, some people were going to protest. Some people were doing, uh, what do they call it? Performative social media posting. Um, Some people were looking to volunteer. Some people were looking to contribute. And so because we had this hook where we had this visibility, people were seeing us all around the world. And then there was this hook where you could, uh, you know, buy a bag or sponsor a bag. It made this super easy lift for people to say, I'm not from this community, but I see this couple there. They're doing this good work. They're on the front lines. They're in a community of people that are oppressed. I'm trying to do my reparations work that I can um, to try to give back to make change. And so, like you said, we started getting this influx of people sponsoring grocery bags. We had so many uh, donations that then we needed to fill the bags and then we need to fulfill the mission of distributing the bags. And at that time we had our South LA grocery truck that you haul that, you know, we made the bags, we filled up the truck and you were going door to door sometimes till 10 o'clock at night handing groceries. And I didn't really handing groceries to my neighbors all through all the community. I just drive and stop in a block and I would just go out and hand uh, groceries. It was it was a beautiful thing. It felt so good, but it was but it was not sustainable. It was not. I could not continue to do that on my own. But I look back and and you know someone was telling me uh, a few months ago that you didn't realize, man, but you were actually our neighbor. You were actually advertising South LA Cafe without even knowing it. Like is says people remember two things. They remember trauma. This was a very traumatic time. And they remember their, what made their tummy feel good or that you felt their belly. That's why you're always like, mama's greens are so good. Mama's sweet potato pie. It's because you, it's the feel good. So it affects the same part of the brain. So here I am coming with my hat on, South LA Cafe, South LA shirt, and handing them a bag of groceries, and they're just locking into that guy from South LA Cafe gave me some groceries, remembering it during a traumatic moment, and also feeding them. So, yeah, and then we, we got re- advertisement out of it and didn't even know it. Well, we weren't yeah. even trying. Well, we were that, just trying to do our That thing. goes into the bucket of the um, resonant marketing strategies, you know, the the things that are the authentic things that we do that right. still have a ripple effect that are actual marketing. Like you're saying word of mouth, like now people have something to say about us that isn't just about the coffee, right? It's like, did you know they do groceries also? Do they, you know that they're feeding people all around the community? Right. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I was interrupting some dinners that didn't have much on the table. And here I was bringing stuff to the table. You know, it was, it was an emotional time for me. It was, and, and, it was but, a beautiful thing. And then from there, we realized it wasn't sustainable, that we realized we had something going that was good, that our community needed help during a time of need. Our cafe was closed, but we had all this space. We had a market with a walk-in refrigerator 
and, and, sh- and shelves yeah. that were empty. And we had all these donations coming mm-hmm. in. So we started putting all the pieces together. This is where I think our seasoning as experienced entrepreneurs and business owners really came in where the strategy started clicking together and we realized we could start fundraising to support this program and we could create an ongoing program that ultimately we called the South LA grocery giveaway that launched in June of 2020, where we said, instead of going to the people, we're going to have the people come to us. So can you imagine all those months, me, just about me, <laughs> handing out all those groceries for months? Crazy. So glad when we had download to, to go, why not have them come to us? We renting U-Hauls. We didn't have a truck then. We are renting U-Hauls to do that. Who was helping me? You just, just, I was yeah. helping you. What do you I mean? Know, I, know. I was and helping you. I drove the, the truck. Kid. I know. I drove the truck. The kid. What do you mean? And we had staff. We had some people, but we had to, def- we had to, now that I think about it, we, we had, had to, we, we had, had to furlough. We had to JB making bags of rice and beans while they were filling the, the app orders. Right. But I'm saying we were using the resources that we had as smartly as possible we didn't have customers coming for coffee. We had our staff preparing the grocery bags. But then we realized it wasn't sustainable because those donations were great. But when the donations dried up, we needed right. to still feed people, still needed food. So how do we create an ecosystem, an engine behind it where this became a sustainable program? And so we went and we um, pitched a 30-day pilot program where we would feed, you know, uh 600 people, 100, right, 150 right. people a week or 150 households a week. Right. We, we know now that each bag actually reaches an average of about four to five people per bag in terms of a, of a household. But the bags, we started with about 150 bags a week, 600 bags in a month. And we wanted to do a pilot program and we got that sponsored. We were giving out about 150 bags a week. We got this pilot program for funding for the first month to just show that we could do this distribution and create a model that right. worked. Right. And so we utilized this funding to show proof of concept and we found immediately that it worked. There was a demand, there was a need, there were lines around the block. Well, people started saying, well, I don't have a car. Remember? And so we said, okay, we'll have walk up also. We have walk up and drive. Yeah. <laughs> You in this particular episode are wanting to make sure that all these little details get pulled back in after the the story has already been said. We have to reverse the thing and say that part first and then that part second. The memory of how people remember things is not that important. The end of it is. They clearly are because you keep pointing it out. (laughs) To me. But it doesn't, it really in a big scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. We we were taking care of people. And whether well, or not the line started first or the, or, the, or the car line, who really cares? But that's just the way I remember. The point is, we had lines around the block, right. whether it was people or cars. We worked with all the neighbors. We let everybody know what was happening. It was very hyper-local. We were predominantly feeding people that were from the community. But the thing that is interesting about COVID is it wasn't just people who were hungry, right? It was people who were out of work, it was people who just needed, didn't want to go to the grocery store. They wanted some fresh, healthy, 
free food in their own community. I saw actors in the line. Well, that's the thing. You know, we UP started workers. we started getting an influx of Which volunteers. I didn't understand DDP was still working, weren't they? But anyway, they were in line. Anyway, go. <laughs> you, your brain. <laughs> I remember, man. It's, but it's I something. wanted to tell you about the volunteers. Yeah. The, the volunteers, we started getting an influx of volunteers that we, many of which we still have to this day that were like our day ones, but primarily from actors, you know, people who were in the industry, writers, actors, directors, artists, people that were, were shut down. people that were out of work were coming and volunteering with us. And so we had these amazing volunteers. And so we started, we had our community members. We had our very small staff because we had to furlough 90% of our staff. And then we had this whole community of volunteers. And so this fascinating culture was starting to get developed of centering the community, centering the community at everything that we did. And everybody was mixing at all these different layers. And then we added in another aspect that is signature for us also is about our community partnerships. And we started having partnerships with core you know, that was um, emergency response. Basically, we became the spot for COVID testing and ultimately for vaccines as well. I remember that. And for food distribution. So for at least two years of COVID, we were probably the leading community org that was providing all those services. People were coming from all over, too. That, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, all over our community, which is great because... Um, some of these places that you signed up for the for the thing online, remember that they were the lines were the lines were full of people that weren't even from the local area. We became a community center. Yeah, and and the and the community centered business model was really born through COVID because what we thought was okay, we can't have them come in and have the regular coffee shop life, but we can build upon the relationships that we have and create access to everything that the community needs. You know, what right. do they need right now? Yes, of course they'd like to gather, but we know they can't do that, but they need food. They need health. You know, remember we were putting tissue in the grocery giveaway, toilet paper, there, toilet paper. There was a shortage of toilet paper, which is insane. Yeah. That people are buying up so much toilet paper. It's like people are buying five years worth. It's like, please, what are you going to do with that in your house? But they were not leaving enough for the, for the people local. That And we launched our patio. And we launched our patio. We launched our patio. We right didn't even really that. say that, but that was one of our big pivots too. We were the first people to apply for and get the permit to be able in to have area. outdoor. No, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Outdoor dining, the alfresco dining permit, the first people, the mayor at the time, Mayor Garcetti, came and did a press conference at our cafe. Because you were sitting, but the the moment to open, like, open the submit, you were saying, submit, submit, submit. I remember that. You're like, submit, submit. Eight o'clock, boom, went through. And we were number one. And the city gave us some funding and support to be able to set up our outdoor patio space, which we still have to this day. We call it Slack Patio. But that was instrumental also because people wanted to gather. They wanted to be in a safe place. They knew that they could come here. It was going to be clean. We had our um, dirty, dirty and clean. Dirty or clean sliders of people sliders to this on day the table. still talk about. Yeah. And so 
all of that were different things that we did. And then through the grocery giveaway becoming such an instrumental program, we decided that we were going to launch our nonprofit. We were going to apply to get a nonprofit because we knew that there was all this funding that existed out there specifically earmarked for nonprofit organizations for things like what we were doing for the community. So we wanted to be able to basically expand not just being a for-profit, a do-good for-profit, which now we know we've become a certified social enterprise, which is a a business that has a a mission behind it and has actual impact behind it. But at the time, that was what we were doing. We didn't really know that that was what we were going to become. But we created another prong to what we were doing and created a nonprofit. You like that? Another prong and created our nonprofit org. Um, and that way we were able to go after sponsorship from, uh, corporations and, um, you know, grants and, uh, foundations that were specifically looking to give to nonprofit organizations. And our signature program that we had to offer to them was our grocery giveaway that had all of this impact. I mean, they could come in and do it themselves, you know, help put together, you know, companies were coming out and they'd sponsor us and then they would bring their employees all masked up and gloved and sprayed down with the, <laughs> with the fogger. But um, they would come in and, and prepare their groceries for the community. So it was, it became an event. It, it, well, it is now it's a, it's an experience. It's iconic. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, It was built out of need and it's still needed. Here we are (sighs) over three years later. um, We, I don't even know what week we're on now, 190 weeks or something like that. Close to to Um, 190. We fed over- Do the math, people. We fed over 190,000 people every single week. At this point now, we give out 200 bags of groceries. Over a thousand individuals gets fed each week. Those bags are usually between 30 and 50 pounds in each one, there's enough food. I dare you to find a thirty pound? So how many pounds are there? Fifty plus. Okay, so let's say heavy. let's you say there people come with carts now. So let's say they're fifty pounds. Then that's roughly about 50, enough food to form fifty individual meals in that bag, mm-hmm. right? So every single week we're giving out uh, two hundred bags. That's ten thousand pounds of food. Am I doing my math right? That's right. Yeah. So 10,000 pounds of food, a lot of which is food that we've gotten donated from sources that we're going to go to landfills, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're creating, getting food that is not going into landfills. Waste. We're preventing food waste. We're feeding our community. It's a lot of work, people, every week. <laughs> it's a lot of work gathering up. You, and a lot know, of money. And a lot of money. And a lot of money. We, so, we, we need donors. We need sponsors. We, like, if you want to spon- is the time when you throw in. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to here. I'm serious. I was doing it. Yeah. It's called a call. I was doing the call to action, which is you can sponsor a bag of groceries yourself. That's one option for a neighbor in need. Mm -hmm. You can also volunteer with us as well. You can also, you can also um, sponsor the entire grocery giveaway uh, with your company or your organization. All of this is tax tax deductible. It's a tax write-off. Um, you can have your entire company team come out and do a volunteer day and have an entire experience as well. So there's so many ways that you can give back and be a part of what we're doing. You be, you can become a member, a Slack member, $10 or more a month mm-hmm. helps us, you know, create a sustainable ecosystem for all of this to build. Or, um, or you can just be silent. 
and just send a check and know that it's going toward an amazing program, like, and helping people in need. You know, we do it for all these other things, not right here at home. That's right. Take care of home. So now we have an award-winning community impact project. Um, We really become known for this. For this, I mean, we do a lot of great things. There's, I mean, our business model is insane. (laughs) But as always, you you you're the the guys you're the guys that give out the groceries. You feed people, right? Right? You feed people, right? Yeah, (laughs) you know. And so we have become sort of world renowned based on this program. Uh, and in a lot of ways, you know, that was designed, you know, by like the Black Panther Party, you know, free breakfast program. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much heritage and tradition in this movement. We're not the pe- first people who are doing this. We're not the last people who are going to do it. But we have done it in a way that has been all about creating a positive experience. Can you right. share a little bit about that, That's about why it was important to, to you? It's majorly important because I used to be in these lines with my mom and <clears throat> you weren't treated the same way. You know, like, like, or you weren't retreated with respect. You were treated like, you know, here's your food. Here's your, here's your block of cheese. Right. You know, just with like, the people had attitudes. I remember, and I was just embarrassed to be there, but I did it because we needed it. And right. I went with my mom because she didn't want to go alone. And so I vowed <laughs> to make sure that people come, when they come to us, they are not going to feel that way. They're going to feel loved. We play music. We go out and we talk to each one of them. We we receive them with with respect Um, because you never know what has you in that line. And it doesn't really even matter. A person should be still uh, made to feel like they're welcome and and with respect. And not othered. You know, it's like every face in that line, when you talk to the people, it's like I tell people all the time, I'm like, we're all one paycheck away from, you know, needing food or, you know, needing right. some help. And and some of us are away and we just too much pride. Well, here you can drop your pride and know that you're going to come to some place where you're going to be treated yeah. with respect. Not And so. like there's not something wrong about the fact that you're in the line. Some people are just there because their bags are so darn good. <laughs> and uh, It helps. They're help- look, at it this, look at it this way. It, it, no it matter if you don't need groceries, you just say, oh, I don't need any groceries. But are you paying a so- cell phone bill? Well, guess what? If you get these essentials, this grocery bag that we're giving you, then you can put a little bit more on your cell phone. I mean, but to be honest, that's not really what we're doing it for. Yes, right. it helps. Yes, it helps. To, of course, right. people may or may not have known about this program, but every Wednesday we do this program, but we don't generally market it. Right. We don't, you don't, when you go to our website, when you go to our Instagram, you don't see flyers to tell people to come because we have something that's a blessing that most other businesses don't have, which is we have the following. We have the engagement because we created uh, our trademarked, you know, community centered business model that the community is at the center of everything we do. And therefore, when we tell people to come do something, people come. So we have the 200 families every week that need to yeah, get fed. Yeah, we're good. Um, we're good. And, and we run out every week. We run out week. every week. We The thing we need is funding. The thing we need is volunteers. The thing we need is food. And we need pr- to keep this going. And we need to keep this going. Right. Um, but that being said, babe, as we wrap it up, you know, this, this, 
this conversation has been about our evolution and through COVID and how instead of it breaking us, you know, we pulled upon that resilience, that history, that, you know, strength, the, the life experience that we had to help us pivot and just all the ways that the unexpected divine came through and, you know, aligned yeah. with our, aligned with yeah. our action, aligned with our, our own, you know, thoughts, but also put that little magic piece in there to pull all these pieces together. And, and when people take notice, that's what's been amazing about all this is that, um, I don't think a lot of people knew how bad it really is in, in these communities. You know what I mean? You know, remember talking to Ellen? So as a sidebar, we were on the Ellen show. And I think one of the things during this time, we were, we were very excited. It's not something to make like a, not like a big light. deal. Yeah, it was, was a, it was deal. a big deal. We were on the Ellen show, but I think one of the things that was really awakening from that is um, she said, you know, in the prep for having you guys come on today in you know, the pre prep that she does with her team, they were telling me, you know, these people, you got to meet them. What they're doing is so amazing. This Talk grocery giveaway, yeah. um, it's all about fighting food deserts. And she said, I, t- I did not know what a food desert was until you guys came on my show. And so on air, I told her what a food desert was. And it was this amazing moment where we had For this real... For me, mm-hmm. it was an amazing moment for me, for us, where yeah. I had this realization, if Ellen, who is who is in Los Angeles, who's on this- In shoot, touch, she, which is pretty much, I would think. She's on a show. She's in contact with a million people, probably a super intelligent person, right. has no idea what a food desert is, then you know we really have a problem, right? We really have a problem. And, and the work we're doing is so important and so valuable. But all of that to say, as we pull all these pieces together, you know, we've talked about the journey of, you know, uh, how we started through COVID, how we pivoted into the grocery giveaway, how we became, you know, this go-to location for community services with vaccines and Unbelievable, testing and food distributions. What would you say your key takeaways or, or, or key lesson you have to think of through all of that? that you would share with somebody else. If you, if you were to say from this time, I learned this. What I learned from this is like, don't stop doing for your friends or not friends, but your neighbor. Cause that, that would be your friend too. And that's all that we were doing. We were thinking about our neighbors. We were thinking about our neighbors, how they're going to get their vaccine. We gotten ours. Right. Remember? So how, how were they going to get theirs? So we're going to bring it to them. Um, testing. We couldn't get testing where, you know, where it would, they made it. It was so hard for our community to get tested. Right. So we brought testing to them. Right. You know what I mean? It was, it was just do for your neighbor. That's what I get out of it. Awesome. Yeah. I think there's so many things that are coming to mind. I'm trying to debate which one's the, the, the most important lesson on my brain. But I think that um, what comes to you first, I'm literally debating over two things that I want to say, but I think the thing from a, from a, from a straight up business standpoint, for those who have businesses who are listening to this, uh, what we literally saw was the, the divide between who survived and who didn't. 
And there's a lot of different reasons. It's not just, you know, one thing, but seriously, you know, make sure that you are collecting your customer's information. And this means oh my like, God, that's a good one. Yeah. Seriously. That. Like, yes. but I mean, in the form of their email, like they're, they're something that is proprietary towards you. So like when people come to our cafe, when we close the transaction, we ask them what, would they like to give their phone number so they can sign up for our, you know, customer appreciation point program. We also say, since you're a new customer, you know, we'd love to offer you a little something, a little gift from us, you know, please get a couple cute little buttons that we have here in the back. And while you're at it, please complete the new customer form with your name and your email and all of that so that we can add them to our database, right? The average person does not want to give another person their email, their phone number, anything, right? So one of our strategies has always been to make it easy for them to do that. And, and therefore we give them something in exchange for it. But over time, you know, we collected thousands and thousands and thousands of emails and, <laughs> and a bunch of people's phone numbers. Right. And yes, if you see us on Instagram, we have over 50,000 followers, right? Where people be like, oh, you're blowing up on Instagram. You're amazing on Instagram. It's and not yes, just Instagram. But the thing about it is we don't own that. Right. Insta Instagram can shut down today. And guess what? We have no way to get in touch with our people if we didn't already have their information. So the fact that we independently have requested and collected emails and phone numbers means if something were to happen to this location today and we were opening up at another location tomorrow, we can contact everybody yeah, right. and say, come find us tomorrow. And you know what? We probably would make it. But the mom and pop that did not have a website, that did not have social media, that had not connect, collected people's information did not survive. And we saw it time and time again. I mean, it was one after another, one after another, after another. Babe, I didn't think about that is that is that. Yeah. Yeah. We are work together, a neighbor and collecting their information. <laughs> That's all they need for today. Well, we got more gems coming. Yeah. Stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Episode seven's coming. Episode seven. Hey fam, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of the In The Mix podcast. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please take one minute to hit the subscribe button to catch all future episodes. And then please give us a five-star review. Also, if you want to support our Black and women-led multiracial movement to fight social, economic, racial, and food inequity, please head to our website, southlacafe.com, where you can become a monthly member, sponsor groceries, volunteer, buy merch and coffee, and make a tax-deductible donation. Sending you lots of peace, love, and blessings from our family to yours.